goes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Top of the List. My name is Dom. My co-host RB is right here with me. Say what's up. What's up, everybody? And we are back to discuss another episode or two or three of Ahsoka. Uh, so at the time of this recording, episode five is out and we have watched it. If you have not seen to episode five, well, RB, let them know. We have a spoiler a spoiler alert incoming. Wee wee wee. Wow, spoiler alert is a uh, it's getting a little weak there. But yes, spoiler <laughs> alert, we are going to be discussing spoilers here for Ahsoka episodes 1 through 5. So if you have not seen them yet, go ahead and hit pause. We don't know when the spoilers are going to be coming out. Uh so just hit pause right here. Don't say, "Oh, well, wait, I've seen episodes 2 and 3." Pause it right here right now. Go watch those episodes. Come on back. Listen to us drone on about it. See if you agree. See if you don't agree. Because I think, Dom, you and I are going to have some varying opinions so far on the show. Yeah, absolutely. RB's not quite enjoying Ahsoka as much as I am thus far. I think me and RB kind of agreed mostly on episodes one, two, and a lot of three. But uh, we've got some things to talk about. we got some details and theories and stuff to talk about. So... uh, there's some stuff in these episodes, RB, that are there for people that have seen everything. And I think that's where I want to start, RB, because okay, yeah. I feel like, especially episode five, was yeah, yeah. made for nostalgia, made for the fans that have seen all these things and wanted to see this in live action. And to a point, I think this is what the Star Wars universe needs, yeah. is the nostalgia piece, at least for me. Mm-hmm. This is, as a Star Wars fan, as a person who grew up watching the prequel trilogy as they came out, saw the original trilogy with my dad who grew up seeing seeing those in theaters when they came out, and have seen everything in theaters since, then have gone back and watched the TV shows, I think I need, as a Star Wars fan, the nostalgia points. I am less interested in the introduction of new characters if it's not framed by a true nostalgia piece. And that's where I've struggled with this series up until episode five is we have spent more time to me establishing these new characters than we have focusing on the older characters. And I've struggled with this with all of the Disney plus series for star Wars. I felt very similarly to Mandalorian. It's why I've liked the book of Boba Fett a little bit more than I like Mandalorian. It's why I think Obi-Wan is the best live action Disney plus original series we've seen because I'm in this Star Wars thing for nostalgia more so than learning new characters and new story arcs. That's that's what keeps me interested in Star Wars. And uh, they did it well in Episode 5, a little bit in Episode 4. 1 through 3, there was just a whole lot of new introductions that I just really wasn't locked in for. Yeah, so so let's let's talk about Episodes 1, 2, and 3, RB. We've done a review on 1 and 2. Well, let's just summarize it now. Episode three was mostly the same as episodes one and two. Yes, our, very much our so. biggest problem with episodes one and two and three, for the most part, I mean, there was one scene in, at the end of three, the cool space battle at the end, where we finally got a little bit of excitement going. But other than that, one, two, and three were very dry. We had a lot of tell, not show. A lot of people talking about what happened before, stuff we haven't even seen, like Ahsoka and Sabine's falling out. We had them talking about it, and we weren't seeing it. So that was one of the biggest problems that I personally had. I think you had that too, RB. Yeah, well, let me let me tell you. You know, I think 
sometimes the show and not tell is rather enjoyable in the Star Wars universe. I mean, I think it's done very well in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. A lot of the slower, exposition-heavy scenes are brilliantly done in those films. Um, But my concern is, and I've hit this point since we started reviewing the Disney Plus series, is if you're going to cut down the the tell, yes, not the show, Mm -hmm. and make it feature-length level... You know, that was what was great. Have a two and a half hour film with a half hour of tell. Don't break it up into these, you know, an eight episode series where three episodes are just going to be tell and not much show. Because I am, by the time we get to episode five, I'm so exhausted by this show. It's a matter of, it's a chore to watch it more than it's fun to watch it. Now, I'm a little bit more reinvigorated by it. But I felt very similarly, if you'll recall, to the first three or four episodes of uh, of Andor, which right. is one of my favorite shows. But it took so long to get into, and I feel like Ahsoka is suffering from the same thing. And, I mean, one of my biggest flaws here is you look at the show. Episode one was directed and written by Dave Filoni. Then we bring in a new, a new director for the next two episodes, exactly. another director for episode four, until we finally get Dave Filoni back to make what I would say – it was the first amazing episode of the show. Why can't we just stick with Dave Filoni like we did in Clone Wars and Rebels? Too many cooks in the kitchen. That's what yes. I feel like. Yes. Yeah, Very I, much so agree. And, and that's what made those films that were directed by George Lucas so special because he had all the say, right? He, yes. he was in charge, and that's, it was his vision. That's what was so great. And that's where the sequel trilogy failed as well in a lot of ways. J.J. Abrams, then Ryan Johnson, then back to J.J. Abrams. They had no yep. idea of a continuing story. And yep. um, they're kind and of very, almost doing it here again. it's very clear, too, in those, mm-hmm. in those series because there is a totally different style of film between the first and third of the sequel trilogy versus Ryan Johnson's you know, middle of, of the two. I, they're completely different styles of films. Totally. And it's extremely noticeable as a fan. Exactly. Yeah, totally. And and we've talked about it before when we when we've discussed these films that you know we're wondering how that's going to pan out as we age, right? You know, when you and I are four in our forties, and there's the younger generation that grew up with those films, we wonder how they're going to be received. Are they going to see the flaws that yep. we see or not? So I guess only time will tell when it comes to that. But what we can talk about is how we feel about Anakin Skywalker because we grew up with him. And Anakin Skywalker shows up at the end of Episode 4 in the World Between Worlds from Rebels. And I want to be very clear that, you know, there's a lot of people theorizing where this place was that Ahsoka went. I want to very clearly state she was in the World Between Worlds just like in Rebels with Ezra. Yep. And, you know, if you hadn't seen Rebels, that's where she was. It's this dimension where time and space collide. And that's the reason why Anakin is there. And I also believe that... um, this is just me theorizing a little bit, but I also think the world between worlds is also very important to the way that um, these uh, Jedi learn how to become Force ghosts. So if you remember yep. back to Revenge of the Sith, uh, we have Yoda saying the famous saying at the end where he says, oh, I've someone from your past, I, an old friend I've uh, revisited, and he's taught me something. And of course, at the end of Obi-Wan, we see Qui-Gon begin to uh, teach Obi-Wan how to become a Force ghost. And, and we um, even we even mm-hmm. get the excellent play in that in uh, I believe it was in the Clone Wars uh, when we have the episode where Yoda goes to learn from uh, the 
the right. four sisters, if I, I don't remember exactly right. what they may have just been called the sisters, the ones who wore the masks. Yes. To learn that of the force. Yeah, absolutely. And he actually goes to Dagobah, and that's where we learn of how he finds the Dagobah system that we eventually see him in. And the first time we see Yoda on screen in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Absolutely. So, um, so what should we do here, RB? Do we want to just talk about Anakin first and everything with that, and get that out of the way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we wouldn't be re- doing this episode if. Episode 5 didn't blow our minds away. Yeah, uh, So I, I think that can be the primary focus. We've okay. we've talked about our gripes, and I think our gripes are similar. Episodes 1 through, let's call it three quarters of episode 4. Mm-hmm. And But, I mean, let's then jump right into episode 5. You talked about the nostalgia. We get the world between worlds, obviously, for Rebels fans out there like you and I. We've seen that in animated form. Now we get to see it in actual form. And then we get Anakin Skywalker... And we get not just Anakin Skywalker, but we get callbacks to the Clone Wars series, but for the first time in live action. We got to see so many different versions of Anakin Skywalker. We see him in the World Between Worlds in his Revenge of the Sith attire. We see him in his Clone Wars attire. We see him on as he appears in uh, Mustafar with the yellow eyes. We see yeah. so yeah. many callbacks for us. That this, this was fantastic. I... I was a kid in a candy shop seeing Captain Rex and Ahsoka and Anakin fighting, and I want to be very clear, um, I'm not sure, this is like, you have to be a freaking mega nerd to realize this, but when Ahsoka says, this is one of our first missions, um, she doesn't mean the Clone Wars movie, (laughs) because (laughs) nobody wants to remember the Clone Wars movie. What I actually think where this happened, where we see Anakin in his Clone Wars armor, this is taking place during the Battle of Ryloth. And Ryloth is the planet, of course, that Hera Syndulla comes from. And that's in the Clone Wars is the arc where um, – it's a very memorable arc where we have Mace Windu uh, taking back Ryloth with a lot of the uh, rebels on Ryloth, right? That's one of my actually favorite Including, arcs. Including, if I'm not mistaken, Hera's father is in that. Uh, Jin, Jin Syndulla, is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's when that character was introduced, which was really awesome. Yeah. So I think what we're seeing here is – uh, while Mace Windu was performing what we saw in the Clone Wars show, we're seeing what Anakin and Ahsoka were doing on that same planet on another side of the okay. planet. So um, yep. that's where we were then. And um, then, of course, we get a callback to my personal favorite battle of all time, yep. the Siege of yep. Mandalore. The Siege of Mandalore. Yep. Oh, man, this was so cool. Seeing Darth Maul's Mandalorians fighting was, in live action was just so sick. Yeah. Now, again, I wish we got a little bit more oh, from too. each sequence, oh, me which, too. again, goes back to my point of maybe if we didn't spend so much time talking in episodes one through three, we could have had more time to focus on this, maybe done a two-part episode in the world between worlds. Uh, but, yes, it was excellent to see. Again, small nitpick here is I don't think I liked the aging of uh, – of Ahsoka, I think they maybe made her out to be a little bit younger. I agree. Than she, I thought she looked really young, and that kind of kind of surprised me. I um, agree, because I, I feel like when we were in the Clone Wars era, I was like, yeah, that's how young she would be at the start of the Clone Wars, because that's her first yes, mission. She's still a kid. Yep. But by the Siege of Mandalore in the show, she was depicted as being like 18 years old or 19 years old. Right. I mean, that's yeah, that's after she walks away from the Jedi Order. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I was very confused to see that they didn't age her. So I agree with you. That's a good nitpick, RB. But uh, I do have to say, though, uh, what does this mean? Well, uh, this is one of the reasons why I think this episode is so great, because this is what we've needed. I've been wanting them to do something. One of my favorite scenes in The Empire Strikes Back, what makes it so amazing, is the allegory in the cave. When Luke <laughs> delves into this dark cave and he cuts off the mask of Darth Vader and sees himself in his mask. Some of the best metaphorical storytelling ever put to screen, right? Yep. And I think that Dave Filoni is trying to emulate that very much so here by showing a younger version of Ahsoka as she delves deeper into her mind. And what she's dealing with, and let me know if you agree with this, RB, what I think the whole meaning of this sequence in The World Between Worlds and delving into her past was to let go of her guilt that it was her fault that the Jedi fell. It was her fault that Anakin fell to the dark side. If she was present, she might have been able to pull Anakin back to the light. And it was her dealing with the guilt of the past. And to me, I felt that was a great message because there's a lot of uh, things that you know you might regret that you've done in the past in your life, and I think that that makes Ahsoka a very relatable character. So I was totally good with her um, coming out of the World Between Worlds as kind of like a... I know you haven't seen Lord of the Rings RV, but a kind of Gandalf the White uh, scenario where, he, where she comes out more pure than she was before. Um, only nitpick I have is it felt a little bit quick. I agree with you, RB. This should have been a two-episode yeah. delve. Yeah. yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I would have liked to dove more into... The Ahsoka Anakin relationship in here had a few more sequences where Ahsoka's learning about herself rather than how quickly this this happened. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely what I'll say. Another nitpick too. Again, I know I'm just picking at straws here, but yet again we have a Star Wars character who's a main character who dies a death that would kill. Just about anyone else in the Star Wars universe, and yet she is back alive. And again, I know we've seen this with Ahsoka. Yeah. Ahsoka yeah. has this connection with the Force. We saw it in the episode where they're on the Force planet in uh, in the Clone Wars, where she dies, and then I think what is it the the sister the the sister I think gives her life force so that Ahsoka can live. And then we see it again in Rebels when Ahsoka essentially is pulled out of a fight with Darth Vader by. Um, Help me out here by uh, our main character from Rebels, Ezra Bridger. Oh, Ezra, yeah. Uh, yeah, in that sequence where we see him in the world between worlds where he goes in through the Jedi Temple, through the wolf circle thing, loath wolf circle. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just yet again, you know, it's it's getting more and more to the point where Star Wars characters die, but then they're not dead. And that, no matter what series it is, Star Wars or not, doesn't really sit right with me. I mean... Again, do it once with Darth Maul in Clone Wars slash Rebels, fine. Then we, you know, and I know it's a small scene, but we do it again when we see, uh, in this series, Sabine stabbed by a lightsaber. We've never seen anyone survive being stabbed by a lightsaber before. And yet, it's like it's not a big deal. It's like, oh, she was grazed by something, and now she's fine. You know, two days later, she's up and walking. And right. now here a third time, we see Ahsoka, if I'm not mistaken, she pushed off the cliff, right? That's mm -hmm. that's how the episode ended before she wakes up in the world between worlds, how episode four ends. And yet again, here she is. She fights and she's back alive. So, you know, we have people dying from one blast to a, from a blaster in the Clone Wars and Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And yet we have people dying what seem to be pretty horrible deaths and they're fine and alive. 
yeah, I see where you're coming from here, RB. I think this comes with the overall uh, genre that they're going for with Ahsoka. Okay. Whereas Andor was focused on being a realistic spy thriller. That's what made it so different. Um, Ahsoka is doing the same thing by pushing the boundaries of the fantastical side, the mythical side. Which is what Rebels did so well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I do have an explanation as to how she survived RB, and I think that the explanation is a little more convoluted than it should be. They should have explained this in the show, but what the way the Star Wars universe works from a fundamental level, and I hope they explain this in a movie one day, but as we saw in Rebels... Planets, certain planets, were inhabited by ancient beings, right? Um, whether it be where this map was on this planet, whether it be Lothal, where we had several ancient Jedi temples, right? Yeah. So yep. wherever and the they... Loth wolves had their connection to the Force. Exactly. So we have some sort of primal connection to the Force on some planets. On this planet that they're in, or on many planets, I feel like that there is a portal. Right, So I feel like throughout all of the planets in Star Wars, there is some sort of connection portal to the Force that is hidden to all those except for those are Force-sensitive. And in my opinion, the, the Force portal on Lothal was you know, in the rock painting sculpture that he goes through. Well, on I think it's Cetos is the world that they're on. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In this one, well, on Cetos is mostly a water planet, right? We have a little forestry as well, but it's mostly a water planet. This leads me to believe that when Ahsoka falls off the cliff, the portal is underwater. So when she falls in the water, she has fallen through the portal. And then when she resurfaces, in the water, right? She is pulled out of the water. So I feel like the water on this planet is the portal to the world between worlds. So that's okay. my explanation. I, mean, I can I can get behind that. There, there were just a lot of things that were in this episode that I felt like were briefly explained and not well yes. enough explained. For example, another one with Jason Sindula being able to hear the battle in the force in, in the world between worlds, you know. He's just sitting there listening to the waves and he can hear it. I mean, that's never been something established before. Now, I understand Star Wars has done that with every we with force sensitive people, each one of them has has different powers they can use. You know, we never saw anyone force heal until we saw right. Rey do it in right. uh in uh the Rise of Skywalker, but, you know, clearly there are different force powers for different people. We didn't see anyone communicating with the animals until we saw Ezra Bridger do it. So that right. that I can let slide a little bit. But again, it was still just a little I, convoluted on, you know, the, just uh-huh. the ex, the explanation was uh, who who Yin, is that his name? Who, who, who Yang? Who yeah. Yang just saying he has special abilities. Well, I, I thought that was a cool callback because I like how uh, – and I feel like they put this in there just to speak directly to the audience. It was totally just a here's – here's the explanation for people that don't know. Hu, y- Hu Yang goes up to uh, our pilot from The Mandalorian, our famous yep. – I, I forget the actor's name. Do you know his name off the top of your head? Uh, I don't know. I, I know he's, he's from Kim's, uh, Convenience. Kim's Convenience. And I think yeah. his last name may be Kim as well, but I, I don't know off the top of my head. But uh, Hu Yang is explaining to this rebel pilot, and, and he says, uh, you know, like, what's going on? And Hu Yang says, well – uh, Jason's father was Kanan uh, Jarrus, a Jedi, right? And I thought that was great callback f- uh, for those of us that know who Kanan Jarrus is, and that was mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. And I love that uh, uh, Jason 
Sindula has Force Sensitivity. I think that's very interesting. I want to see where that goes in the future. I hope he doesn't go to Luke's uh, Jedi school and get murdered by Kylo Ren in 40 years. Right, so, right, right. <laughs> or I guess at this point it would be less than 40. It would only be like 20 years because – anyways, I don't want to think about the timeline. It's so confusing. Yes. Yeah. But uh, well, uh, I mean I think mm-hmm. we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit because that's important yeah. too here. Yeah, yeah. Um. But, I mean, and why, why I say that's important is mm-hmm. because I want to discuss as well Anakin Skywalker in the world between worlds. You know, right. is this truly Anakin there? Yes. I, I guess these events do take place after Return of the Jedi. So Anakin would be dead and could very well be in the world between worlds. Now, my thought is, does this mean Anakin slash Darth Vader could come back? I mean, that's that's, again... We're right. bridging the gap here, which is why I get a little yeah. nervous with people dying and coming back. Yeah, that would you know, be going a, a little too far. I think explanation of the Emperor <laughs> coming right. back. You know, right. there, it was cloning and whatnot. That made sense. Right, right. This is a little more convoluted. Right, yeah. I I, I see what you're saying here, man. I, I feel it. Uh, yeah, I think that... I, I the way I see it, I think that's his force ghost coming back for the final lesson, teaching her not to be guilty. It, it's not all it's not all her fault that the Jedi fell. The world, the state of the world, is not on her shoulders. Um, all she needs to do is focus on her mission and saving her friends and those that she loves, and uh, honoring her oath to Edra Bridger, right? Because remember, the last time she saw Ezra Bridger, they were in the world between worlds, and. Um, Ezra, his her fi- his final words to Ahsoka, Ahsoka, when you get out, come find me, and that's what we're seeing now, and uh, that's all I can think about to say really. As far as what happens after she gets out, we have a very cool callback to Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor, the games of uh, the current console generation, right? Uh, some newer video games that star yep. Cal Kestis. Uh, one of RB's favorite actors, uh, Cameron Monaghan, right? I think that's yep. his name. Big, big fan of Cameron Monaghan from his role in uh, in Gotham, yes. But also his Cal Kestis uh, and his likeness, not just his voice, but also his likeness used for this character. Absolutely, and we get Cal a callback yep. to that in the form of that Ahsoka takes up the map that was destroyed and uses a Force Echo. This is something that Mm -hmm. often comes up in the games where you go up to an area, click a button, and he crouches down and feels a memory from the past. I thought that was so cool that Dave Filoni obviously played the game and was like, this is cool, it has to be in my show. (laughs) So I thought that was really cool. And um, so I was very appreciative of that. And then um, one other thing I want to talk about, RB, I want to sidestep... Actually, no. I, I actually, I'll come back to that later. I want to talk about the whales. Um, yeah, I feel the like the purgle. I, I feel like this whole sequence was drawn out a little bit too much. Like, it was cool seeing all the whales. It was cool seeing their plan come into action. But it just felt like it kept going. Like, they were going into the mouth of the whale. And that took, like, seven minutes. I don't know. Am I nitpicking? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't mind the scene. Okay. My, my biggest nitpick here with, with this is... Mm-hmm we've seen the purgle in like three of the four episodes or three of the five episodes. And I thought we established that purgle in rebels are only in like deep, deep space. And we're just right. seeing them flying around in the atmosphere of this planet. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel the same way, but um, 
the only thing I can think of is that they keep explaining how the Purgle were the ones that were tracing these hyperspace lanes to other galaxies, right? And right, I yes. feel like this planet where they had the access for this map to another galaxy was chosen because this was like where the breeding ground of the Purgle was. Um, right, but this wasn't this wasn't where the the map was, right? Right. No, it wasn't where the map was, but it was where you had to take the map to reveal that's right, its secrets. that's right, to find where. It was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I feel like that's why the people that made this map, which by the way, the people that made the map are the Zepho, unless they come up with something else, I'm just going to say they're the Zepho. The Zepho are an ancient race of beings that you meet in Jedi Fallen Order. Um, and the reason why I know it's the Zepho is because the map itself, when it's cut open in half, you see a bunch of gears and stuff inside, right? So like moving technology, the old technology. Well, when you're in Jedi, uh, Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor, and you're solving these very difficult puzzles, they, a couple of them drew, drove me absolutely crazy trying to get through these ancient Zepho temples, but you're going up and down these giant elevators, you're going through these ancient buildings, and they all rotate with gears just like inside this map. So that's what makes me believe that the Zepho are the people that have created this uh, you know, area this, where this map is to be brought. Well, you just burst my bubble because I have not played those games, and I thought it was we were going to get a deep cut to uh, Rick and Morty and the Gear People in the Gear Universe. So I guess it's not that. So now I'm bummed out. Just drop my score from a ten to a nine and a half because it's not a Rick and Morty deep cut. <laughs> so I guess we haven't said what our scores are for Episode Five. Uh, what, what would you yeah. give this one? Episode Five is a, a ten out of ten for me easily. Okay. Now my biggest fear is that this was our nostalgia episode. Yes. And that's all we're going to get from our, for our nostalgia. <laughs> and that's going to bum me out. But this was an excellent episode. This was one of the better episodes of any of the Star Wars series I've seen. Up there with Obi-Wan facing off with young Darth Vader in episode two or three of Kenobi. Right. Yeah, I, I'm going to give this one, yeah, 10 as well. Although I could be convinced to lower it a little bit. I feel like we did have some nitpicks here and there. But... I mean, RB, they played to our nostalgia. They played to our childhood. Yep, we yep. love seeing Hayden Christensen play Anakin. We have to give it the score that it deserves, I feel like. so. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, and where, uh, what did you think of Ahsoka's plan at the end to follow the Purgle, follow uh, Sabine? Where do you think we're going here? I mean, I, I think we have to at this point. I mean, the, we've been ta hearing about Thrawn for not just this show, but we, yeah. in – God, what, where else were we hearing it? Was it Mandalorian season? Season three, yeah. yeah the, the last season of Mandalorian. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we're obviously it's going to work and we're going to end up with, with Thrawn showing up. Um, assume Ezra is going to show up too since we have – you know, we know who he's cast as and I don't think they're just going to cast him to be that – Single holo hologram scene. My biggest fear um, is that we're going to have an episode six where we do not see Thrawn, where we do not see Ezra, where we do not find out what happens. And like you said, Arby, that's what I'm so worried about. Are we not going to get any more nostalgia or are we both wrong and we're just going to be – this is the beginning of another three fantastic episodes. I'm very curious to see. Right, right. Yeah, it, it's very curious to see where this goes. Um, I don't mind the Ahsoka plan because where they left us, I don't think there was anywhere else they could have gone. Um, you know, they made the hyperspace jump. They destroyed the, the map. 
This was the only option. So I don't mind them going with this direction. Again, it leads back to my my nitpick with the Purgle that they've been conveniently there the whole time, and now they just are going to use them. I mean, it was like little Deus you know, Ex Machina, just kind of slapping them in the face. Uh, but you know, but you know, we'll see. I mean, I just feel like if it was that easy, you know, I mean, how long has Ezra been missing? You know, right, obviously it was right. the Purgle that took him away. Obviously they thought he was dead, but. I if Thrawn wasn't, you know, people weren't saying Thrawn was alive. I'd still be perfectly okay with assuming they were dead. I mean, they blasted yeah. into hyperspace with no protection. That yeah, to me that was would that was seven years died. ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. that was seven That's years right, ago. Because we had yeah. the seven-year anniversary of the yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, one thing I do want to say uh, is briefly touch on Episode Four and specifically a couple things. Number one, I want to say episode four drastically improved the action. I feel like we had some very good action scenes. Specifically, I want to call out uh, basically the brightest part of episode four for me is what I would probably give it a slightly higher score than one, two, and three. And that's because I feel like Ray Stevenson is really good as Balin in this show. And I love his representation that we haven't gotten in another character in a very long time. I feel like the last time we got this debonair knight from a bygone era of some kind was Alec Guinness's performance. He pulled off that kind of, you know, gravitas. And um, I feel like uh, Ray Stevenson as Balin also achieves that. And I have to call out the fight between Ahsoka and Balin was awesome, where Balin has his giant lightsaber that is almost like a claymore. Do you know what a claymore is, RB? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that was such a cool choice to make him have this awesome claymore, and he's swinging that thing around. It's looking awesome. Then again, I do have a small nitpick. They're called lightsabers for a reason. They're supposed to be light. The guy's acting like it weighs 100 pounds. I don't know. I guess that's a nitpick. I, I, but what I do have to say is Ray Stevenson has two of the coolest lines I've ever heard uh, you know, Jedi character say, and I want to call those out. And, and um, I, I want to know if you remember these two, RB, because I had chills when he said these. I really love these. Um, when he's about to face Ahsoka, Morgan Elsbeth says, Is that fear I sense in your voice? He says, mm-hmm. No, experience. I thought that was so cool. That would just show that tells so much about his character that he's seen this before and he's prepared. And yep. he knows that he might not be able to take Ahsoka, but he can probably outthink her maybe in some way. And uh, I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah, I can I can agree with that for sure. But, you know, I, I've got to disagree with you about Balin's character and okay. and these villains as a whole. And what, what takes away from the action for me is that these are characters that have no backstory. They're just villains <laughs> so far for us. Just evil for evil's sake. You know, we get little bits here and there. You know, we hear him talk about how it's for a greater good or a greater cause. But we don't really like. understand who he is. We get yeah. to say, he says, we're no mm-hmm. Jedi. But, I mean, are they They don't seem to be Sith either. Who are these people? So, as far as I Former understand Jedi, it, yes, but yeah, ex-Jedi, what is he, not he, Sith, but mercenaries. As I would assume, many Jedi, like, as we saw in the Clone Wars, remember when Asajj Ventress was... Uh, expelled by Count Dooku, what did she become? A mercenary, a bounty hunter. So this is not a new idea in the Star Wars universe that expelled Jedi or Sith will become mercenaries or bounty hunters of some kind. Um, Yet I do agree with you, RB. It's unclear what Balin's plan is, 
my best theory for his plan is that he intends to uh, double-cross Morgan Elspeth and, yes, bring Thrawn into, uh, back to the galaxy far, far away and once again re, re, uh, you know, resurge the Empire. But what seems like what he wants to do is watch that battle go on, let the galaxy be destroyed by the Empire, and then rebuild it in his own image, which could be very interesting. Although I also get the sense that he wants to control the power of the world between worlds. Maybe he knows something about that in some way. Once again, I agree with you in that aspect, RB. It's a bit vague. Yeah, and again, his apprentice has zero backstory. She's yes. just kind of evil for evil's evil sake. That's my theory. Is like... I think she's his daughter. Okay. Okay, yeah, I could get by that. And I'd like a little bit more on Morgan Elspeth. I mean, don't we've established that she's a, she's a night sister. I mean, the night sisters were badass in the Clone oh, yeah. Wars. I'd like a little more on her backstory. Now, I do have one one more thing just uh, to add, because um, I'm curious if, if you've been able to tell a difference. I have not, but Ray Stevenson passed away during the, the f- uh, filming of this, and it's been some Ray Stevenson from the photography and some of a, another actor named Dominic Purcell. Um but I, I didn't know if you've been able I, to notice a difference there in the eye. I haven't. I think it's been well done and the, yeah, the editing's been good. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think the editing was really good. And it's funny you bring up the Night Sister magic. I think that this is also a very interesting key into where we might be going. And that's because if you think back to the World Between Worlds episode in Rebels, we see the Emperor right trying to gain access into this dimension. And yep. what, how is he doing that? Well, he has some sign of, like, I, what do I want to call this, a cauldron or something like that, but it's burning blue fire. And remember, he sends this blue fire into the world between worlds. Yep, yep. Well, what does Morgan Elsbeth use to raise the map when they first put it in there? This green fire, this ancient force magic. So to me, there's some connection there. And um, th- th- that's also where we get another awesome, awesome line, man, where she says... Uh, have you, uh, you know, she says to uh, Ray Stevenson's character, Balin, have you no faith? And he, his re- reply is so awesome. I lost that a long time ago. Yep. That yep. was so cool. I thought it just, I love the guys acting in this episode. I, uh, episode four, for me, Ray Stevenson held it up. And that's why I personally liked it better than one, two, and three. But I'm getting the feeling you felt it was about equal with one, two, and three. Yeah, I, I didn't have much of a difference. Again, because we focused so much on just dialogue exposition of things we haven't seen yet from our nostalgia characters, from Ahsoka, from uh, Sabine, from Hera, and now we're getting very little. So when we get the action sequences, it's just them fighting back. For me, they could be fighting droids, battle droids who have lightsabers because there's just not enough for me to give a darn about these characters besides they're bad guys. And the only reason I know they're bad guys is because they killed a bunch of people in the opening sequence and their lightsabers aren't green and blue. They're, they're orange. They're not yeah. red, but you know, yeah. they're bad color, bad lightsaber color. What happens when you mix blue and red RB? You get purple. Is that purple? Or I thought it was orange. I feel like that was some no. sort of symbology. Orange, orange is red and yellow. Ah, damn. Okay. Come on, I thought man. I had you took there. art. I didn't even take art in high school. You took art. <laughs> Mr. Krupp is cursing me right now. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh man. man. There's a deep cut. Yep, yep, yep. My old high school art teacher, Mr. Krupp. Shout out to Mr. Krupp. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, man. So at least we have a fantastic episode to talk about in that of episode yep, five. Yep. And uh, we've given it our scores. What would you guys give it? Uh, maybe a 10 out of 10, maybe not so much. Um, were you confused? Were you lost because you haven't seen Clone Wars or Rebels or anything and you just wanted to see this show because it's popular? Um, let us know what you think of Ahsoka thus far, and we will see you hopefully when the next three episodes are out to talk about how it ends and everything. Um, RB, anything else you want to leave us with here? Yeah, you know, we've got a few more uh, Disney Plus reviews coming your way. Uh, both Elemental and The Little Mermaid are now up on there. I got to see those in theaters. Dom's had his hands full with a a new little pup at home, or not a little pup, a big pup at home. So yeah. didn't have a chance to see those in theaters, but we'll be reviewing those now that they're on Disney Plus together, having a good time uh, chatting about that. And like you said, so that'll probably be our next two weeks. And then three weeks from now, we'll hit you with a review of the finale of Ahsoka and our overall views on that. Of course, you can always uh, follow us on Letterboxd, uh, information down below on that. We're always rating movies we're seeing, even movies that we don't review. You know, sometimes, as we always mention, I'm more of a comedy guy. Dom's more of a horror guy. We don't always see the same movies uh, each other see. So give both of us a, a look, see what we're watching, see how we're liking it. Uh, always a good time. And get your own Letterboxd account as well, you know. It's always a good time to log all those movies you've seen, see, remember what you like, because you never know when you're going to have a hankering to go rewatch a movie and say, oh, yeah, I gave that one five stars. That was a great movie. So Letterbox, a fun tool to definitely download it yourself, get your own account, and definitely check out what we are reviewing as well on there. Awesome. If you guys want to check out any of our previous episodes, you can check out The Bear Seasons 1 and 2. You could check out Barbie. You could check out Oppenheimer. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff on our channel that you could check out from the past as well. Um, in the future, RB, I was also wondering if – Maybe at some point in the future we can finish the uh, – <laughs> I'm going to mess up this name. Hercule Poirot trilogy, uh, Haunting in uh, Venice. Haunting in Venice. I'm interested to see this one, RB, and the reason why is because it's his version of a horror film and mystery. Yeah, I don't know that – this is one that I probably won't go see in theaters, but maybe right. when it hits – Whatever streaming service, I'm, you know me in horror. I'm not a big horror guy, and definitely if I am going to watch horror, which I'm intrigued by this one, mm. I'm not going to go sit in a theater and do it and <laughs> freak out with every jump scare. You know, it's funny. We talk about that. I don't like mm. horror because of the jump scares. I don't mind any of the psychological stuff. It's only the jump scares. I hate being in a big, dark, quiet room and something jump popping out, you know, <laughs> and that's stupid. That's not even scary for a lot of people. But yes, I, I think definitely that should be on HBO Max. I believe the other two came out on HBO Max shortly after they hit theaters. I am happy to review that with you. Just may not be able to muster up the courage to sit through that one in a theater. Awesome. So we'll have that coming for you guys in the near future. And we'll see you guys on the next episode of Top of the List. Later, everybody. <laughs>